Will you turn your Bible with me, please? John chapter 11. We've been talking about seeking God. And in this passage, we're looking at, we're looking at Jesus and what he's doing. And really, in, this, uh, in all of the drama that's taking place here, Jesus is headed to the cross. And so especially this time of year, we, re- we remember that a lot. We have a Good Friday meeting coming up in a couple weeks on Good Friday. And then, of course, Easter. But the drama of all the events that are taking place to get there is also important and good to remember. And Jesus is, there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. But to understand the context of what's going on, we're actually going to, we're going to be looking more at John chapter 12 today, but we're going to start in John 11 so we can get a feel for what's happening in the story and a feel for what is taking place for the disciples and for Jesus himself as he's coming closer to Jerusalem. So um, keep in mind that things are not as good as we would like them to be. So if you had a successful ministry, what would you hope is happening in that ministry? You hope people are coming, people are getting saved, people are getting healed, God is moving, good things are happening. You don't hope that the government's out to kill you. And so this is, Jesus is partly almost in hiding at this point, and he's doing all these miracles, and people are seeking him out, and some people are believing, and other people are running to the authorities to kind of snitch on him and find him. And so there's been an edict even to find him for his arrest. Difficult time. So let's read together John chapter 11. We're going to start reading at verse 45. John chapter 11, verse 45. This is right after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. Here's what it says. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, that is, raised Lazarus from the dead, believed in Jesus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for one, it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Verse 51. He did not say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region in the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another, As they stood in the temple, what do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, they should let them know so that they might arrest him. Praise the Lord for his word. Uh, It's a difficult time, isn't it? I mean, you think this is toward the end of the ministry of what Jesus is going to do. Ultimately, he's going to the cross. Sometimes, especially in our modern mindset, we think that the success of Jesus is going to look different than it does in this moment. Now, in two weeks, we're going to celebrate the Palm Sunday, which is when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the people are waving branches and shouting Hosanna. And we have to remember that a week later, they're shouting crucify him. It's, it's, the story is filled with this drama of the King of Kings. Remember, Jesus created these people. He's the, he's God. And so as Jesus is sort of hiding out in the wilderness and teaching people and some are coming to him, 
Um, he is also preparing himself for what he's going to do. Why would he do that? He's doing that because this is the plan. The plan is that Jesus is going to redeem mankind, and there's only one way for that to happen. I have a little uh, song for us to watch. Um, so we're going to watch a song. Roy, are we good on that? Yep. Awesome. <clears throat> so let's watch the song, and then we're going to continue reading in our story. Um, the reason we're watching this, by the way, it's an emotional song, just FYI. Um, it's a very nice song, but watch the video, be blessed, and then we'll, you'll understand the context of why we're listening to this one. Go for it. I'm so sorry. We did everything we could. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all that's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus.
Super popular song right now, right? If you lost somebody, the Lord's with us. And there's grace there. The reason we're playing this is we're going to read this next passage. And I want you to remember the emotion of this song. Let's read together John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, the one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now remember, this has been just a short time as we read this passage from the time that Mary's brother Lazarus, who she loved, had died. And he was dead and buried multiple days. And Jesus came and rose Lazarus from the dead. And that miracle is astounding of how Jesus just calls him forth out of the tomb. But Mary has already gone through the emotion, more like this song, of what this feels like. Because she lost her brother. She's mourned him. Now he's come back to life and he's sitting at the table with them to enjoy this meal. And he's sitting at the table with them to enjoy this meal, not just in the sense of having a great time, but this looming understanding that all of the Jewish authorities, and even the Romans later, are out to get Jesus. There's this looming sense now, they're only two miles away from Jerusalem at the big feast where everybody's wondering, this is going to come to a head here real soon. What do you think will happen? And so for most people, they're just sort of excitedly watching. But for Mary, this is a different moment. Only a few verses before this, Thomas has declared that he's going to go with Jesus to Jerusalem to die there because they're all going to their deaths. This is not the normal sort of happy, everything's fine kind of moment. And in this moment, Mary comes in and she takes this expensive perfume and she breaks this bottle open, which cannot be restored. The, once the perfume is out, it's out. And she dumps it onto Jesus' feet. In other parts of the Gospels, it says that she anoints his head also. And she wipes his feet with her hair. Now, there was another woman who had done this. I think it's a different woman. This is debated a little bit of which one's which and who it is it. But in Luke chapter 7, there was another woman, a sinner, who came while Jesus was in a Pharisee's house. And this woman came in, and it says she was a woman of the city. We know what that means, right? And so this sinner comes in, and she also, in a likewise way, breaks open this perfume and puts it on Jesus' feet, and she wipes his feet with her hair also. This is a different person, I think, because Mary is well-defined in the scriptures of who she is. But now here comes Mary, who's Jesus' friend, and she comes in and takes this ointment, this, this special jar that she has of this perfect perfume, and dumps it on Jesus' feet. Judas says, why didn't she go sell that? She could have gotten 300 denarii. You know what that would be in today's money? Like $50,000. She could have taken that thing and sold it for 50 grand. 
Then she could have used that money for all kind of good things. Instead, she's wasting it on Jesus. Now, imagine for a moment, you're a follower of Jesus. You've watched him raise your brother from the dead. And the scripture here does not tell us about whether or not she's married or has kids. We don't know that for sure. We don't know if Mary is in a good place or a bad place. We don't know if she's beautiful or ugly. We don't know if she's tall or short. We don't know much about her. But here comes this woman, and she happens to own something that's worth $50,000. Do you have something that you've got hidden away that's worth a year's salary? And I say $50,000 because if you Google what's the average salary in the United States, it's $51,000. So this 300 denarii is usually one year's wages. So that's where I'm getting that number from. But something hidden in your house that's worth 50 grand. If you had something in your house that's worth $50,000, what would you do with it? Hang on to it, right? Keep it. What is it for? Why would you have that? I'm suggesting to you today that this is Mary's insurance policy. I don't know if she's married or not married. I don't know if the marriage goes good or bad. I don't know if she has kids or not. But especially a woman in this time period who has personal property like this is a big deal. A big deal. They didn't have property rights in Rome. And the Jewish people are a subjugated people. So this is also the same people to whom Jesus said, if a soldier comes up and hits you in the face and tells you to carry his stuff a mile down the road, then carry it two miles for him. That's the context of the people. They're not a thriving business people. There are people who are subjugated by another nation all the time. And Mary has something that's worth a year's wages. And that is insurance. Because if something goes bad with the government, that's a lot of money. If something goes bad in your personal life and you've got to start over, that's a lot of money. If something whatever, that's a lot of money. And it's hers. And surprisingly, Lazarus, her brother, had died. And they wrapped him, do you remember, in the cloths and put him in the tomb? If this was just for burial stuff, she didn't use it on Lazarus. This was hers. Now, was it for her burial? Was it for something else? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If I had something worth $50,000 sitting under my bed, I'd feel pretty content that in a rainy day, I got it there. And she goes and she takes that insurance policy and she comes to Jesus and she pours it on his feet and on his head. And just like that woman she'd heard about, that woman of the city, and I don't think she's a woman of the city, hear me correctly, but she comes with that same contrite spirit, that same love for Jesus, and pours out the offering of her insurance policy onto the Lord. Do we treat Jesus like an insurance agent? That when something goes bad, we just contact him because, you know, the wind blew real hard and my fence fell down and I need you now. Lord, I'm driving and my car starts slipping, so Jesus, take the wheel. Or whatever. Do we treat Jesus like an insurance agent? That he's just our policy in case something goes funny? Because now we read this story and we hear about Mary and she's taking all the, the security that she has and she's putting it onto Christ. And there's something that's happening here that's much, much deeper than just doing something nice for Jesus. She's saying, you are my security. You are my life. I witnessed what you did with my brother, and I'm here to say, now with my hair in an intimate way, 
Lord, even the, the drippings off your feet is beautiful to me. And so I'm coming to you to say, you're my everything. And that's the hard attitude that God wants from us. That's what he asks of us. And we see in this song that we just listened to, this emotion of this moment that's so filled with, I don't know, we just need Jesus, don't we? And now here's Mary, and she's just broken open this jar and poured it on his feet. And this is the moment. And it's not just crying out to God, it's clinging to him and holding to his feet. That's the kind of relationship God wants with us. That's what we're supposed to do with Jesus. Is he our insurance agent or is he our everything? Do we have a kept up plan and security outside of Christ or is he everything? I knew a guy one time, I was talking to him about the Lord and about life and um, basically he said to me this thing. He said, you know, I'm a, I'm a rascal and I know I'm a scoundrel and I've done stuff, but I'm telling you now, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure from the Bible I can sit on the bed in that hospital room when it's almost time, and I'll just say, you know, Lord, forgive me, and he'll forgive me. It's going to be fine. So I got, I'm good. And I, I just looked at him. I said, well, first of all, God bless you, man. If you, if you know exactly the moment you're going to be before God, I, I don't know. I don't have that much faith in my own timing. But also, if he's really the Lord of your life, why are you treating him like he's just some kind of special prayer that you get to say, and he does whatever you want? And he was like, what do you mean by Lord? And I said, Jesus is either going to be everything to you. He's either, gonna, he's either God and he's worthy of you and all you are. Or you're treating him like something that you can just, you know, go to the claw machine at Walmart and put in some money and get something cool out of it. God's not okay with that. And he said, well, you know, I made my decision. I think I'm too far gone at this point. So we talked about what that means. You know, but the reality is a lot of people think that. A lot of people think that the mercy of God is going to be this thing that you can pull on on the end. And I'm here to tell you today, in the moments that we have, throw yourself on Jesus. Hold on to his feet. Put all your security in, in him. And I'm not telling you to go home and cash in your most expensive thing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the treasures of your heart, the securities that you have stored up in yourself, well, it's going to be okay because, you know, I've got those degrees or it's going to be okay because I'm smart enough. Or at the end of the day, I come from a really good family and I can fall back on that. All the securities that we think that we can stand on, instead put them onto Jesus and say, Lord, without you, I have nothing. My, all my insurance in life is just that I can hold on to your feet. And that's what Mary's doing here and the emotion of it. And it's a beautiful thing. Let me tell you about Jesus as she has started to see him and as he is. Jesus is the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the eternal one. He's the creator of the world, the redeemer of mankind. He's the restorer of all good things. He's the perfect sacrifice, the lamb of God. He's brighter than the sun. He's more powerful than anything. He knows the secrets of all of our hearts. He's the judge of the living and the dead. He's the holder of the keys of hell and death. He's the master of heaven, the conquering king, the perfect servant, the suffering one, God's chosen instrument, the son of promise. He's the seed of the woman. 
Benjamin. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the friend of sinners. He's the calmer of the seas. He's the owner of the creation. He's the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He's the only obedient human who has ever lived. He's the second Adam, the firstborn of all creation. He's fully God and fully man. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's the perfecter of our faith, the faithful witness. He's our intercessor, our intermediary. He is our great high priest. He's the covenant maker and the covenant keeper. He's the cleanser of lepers, the restorer of the blind. He's our resurrection life. He's the image of the invisible God, the redeemer of slaves, the captain of the Lord's army. He's the one that is with us in the fire, the kinsman redeemer. He's the prophet, the priest, the king. He's the He's the one whose breath gives us life. He's the one whose garments transmit power and healing. He's, his gaze, it's like fire. His face shines like the sun. He's the fulfillment of the law and all the prophets. He's the way, the truth, the life, and he is alive now and ruling. He is wonderful. This Jesus was going to go on from this place anointed by Mary, and eventually for her, he will go to a cross and die a traitor's death, that her sins would be poured out onto him as a traitor when he did not deserve it. He paid the penalty for her. That's why she's coming to him with no other insurance policy, because with him is life and life eternal. But outside of him, what can we do? And then three days later, he will rise again, and we will celebrate that on Easter because he's the only human. Lazarus dies. He's the only human who has beat death and still lives. He's the only one. He is seated on the throne. He's raised to power. He's God Almighty. He is the one and only. And the question I have for you today is, do you have an insurance policy that you're bringing before God? Or is he your everything? Pour yourself out before him. Throw yourself down at his feet. You know, the last time that we saw Mary in this story, the last time we saw her, she was throwing herself down at Jesus' feet because Lazarus had died. And now, even though he's alive, even in the greatest things, in the best moments, things are going well. Sure, there's a dark cloud over what's happening, but in their household, Lazarus is alive. It's amazing. And so even in the good moments, in the best things, here she comes to throw her life down before Jesus and say, Lord, you're my everything. Is Jesus your everything? The Bible tells us this, that if we believe in him, if we believe that he has been raised from the dead, that the Lord sent him, that he suffered for us, took our sin, and resurrected, then we will be saved. But it means this. It means you pour out your whole life to him. Again, I'm not talking about money. Although, do whatever God tells you to do. I'm telling you, you give him you. There's no other policy. There's no other insurance. It's just, Lord, if I have you, I have everything. And the Bible tells us that if we seek him first, he adds all these other things we need because he cares for us. But this question is, do we trust him more than we trust ourselves? Do we trust him more than we trust our insurance policies? And the answer has to be, Lord, I throw myself at your feet. I'm yours, forgive me, I repent. I want to live your way, I want to know you, and I'll cling to you in every way. And I'm going to tell you this right now because there's a lot of people out there telling you that if you believe in Jesus, everything's going to be better. And I'm telling you right now, probably won't be. 
It doesn't just go away. A great check is not going to just show up in the mail. All your problems are not going to be solved. You're not going to be healed in a heartbeat, most likely, although you might be. But I'm telling you this, you were created to worship him. And when you throw yourself at his feet and say, Lord, I'm yours, and you feel his hand pick you up, it's, it's like your whole life becomes alive. It's like you see everything clearly for the first time. It's like everything just opens up to you because this is what you were meant to do. This is serving Jesus. And then guess what? He fills us with his spirit. He makes us his ambassadors. He gives us power from on high. He takes care of our needs. He gives us wisdom and insight. He never leaves or forsakes us. He uses us to do great missions. His plan in the earth is grandiose, and he never gives up on it, and he uses his people, you, to do it. Because he didn't just die for Mary's sin. He died and paid the punishment for our sin, that it would be taken away. And now he would gather to himself a people who were scattered abroad from every nation, a new people who would be his bride, and that he would take us and make us his. And it is better than life to know Jesus. He's a good king, isn't he? So what do we do? How do we do this? If you don't know Jesus today, if you've never met him, if you don't know what I'm talking about, but you feel in your heart like, I got to do something, then just... Give him your life. And the way you do that is you do this. You pray and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I want to be yours. And that's it. You believe in Jesus. And then we will baptize you. That's the next step, and we'll talk about what that means. And you will see the Lord come on your life in every way. We will disciple you. That means we're going to teach you the whole Bible and walk with you. But I'm telling you right now, if your heart is burning in you, it's him. If you've been gone for a long time, and you've been maybe building some other insurance policies, but you know Jesus, jettison them. Bring them to him and say, Lord, I built these insurance policies and I'm gonna put them at your feet. Forgive me for seeking life anywhere other than you. I wanna know you and purely you. And I'm telling you that the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn up those other things and your heart will ignite again. Maybe it's been a long time and you felt distant and away from God. Today's the day. Because as you come to Jesus, it changes everything.